Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast with host Elizabeth Myers, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Facebook. Tune in weekly to learn how to have a winning life by building a strong spirit, soul, and body. The Resilient Life Hacks podcast is distributed using Anchor. If you haven't heard about it, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast, where we talk about how to build a stronger spirit, soul, and body so that we can overcome adversity and do what we were made to do. I'm your host, Elizabeth Myers, and I am so glad that you have joined us here today. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe and to share this with your friends. We have an exciting announcement this week. The Resilient Life Hacks podcast has its own Facebook page now to make it easier to share the videos and episodes there. So please uh, check that out on Facebook if you're listening to this somewhere else. It's also broadcast live on YouTube, and then um, you can watch, listen to it wherever um, you like to listen to podcasts like iTunes or Spotify or any of those. So we're so glad you're here today. Um, I had a, a guest lined up to speak with us today, and unfortunately, she wasn't able to make it. So um, I'm going to pivot a little bit and share with you something else that's just been on my heart and on my mind um, recently. And so I have been reading in my in my daily Bible time. I'm in the book of John in the mornings. And so I'm in, you know, chapter 15, 15 16, 17. And um, this is the, the part of the scripture where um, Jesus had just had his final supper with his disciples. And then only in the book of John, it records this extended discourse, this conversation and a lengthy prayer that he has with his disciples before he gets arrested. And um, there's just, it's so rich. There are so many great things in there, but I've been mulling over the the thoughts about um, abide in me or remain with me. It means connected, you know, be connected with Jesus and with God. And he says, um, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Um, I want to point out in particular, um, in later in John 17, 20 to 23, he is, Jesus is praying to the father. And he is asking in this passage for the father to give his followers, his disciples. And it says specifically, not just the ones that were present in his hearing, but all those who are to come to believe in him, which includes all of us. And he prays for unity for them. He says, let them be one as we are one so that they people will be able to look at them and know that Jesus is from God and that these people are following Jesus. And then elsewhere. Um, I want to share with you the verse uh, earlier, John 13, 35. Um, Jesus says, by this, by the love that you have for each other, by this um, expression of that love is how people will know that you follow me. And so I just feel like that's a very important uh, message that we shouldn't miss. And I feel like it's something that is really um, absent from a lot of, especially our public 
uh, communication and discourse these days. And so I just want to, to talk a little bit about how do we overcome the division that's in our midst. And there is a uh, division on so many different topics um, in our world and in our nation right now. And even among people who would otherwise normally agree, there's just a lot of, of heated debate on things. And even among Christians, who people who on, on both sides are believing in Jesus and loving him and wanting to do what they feel is best, uh, you know, sometimes we don't see eye to eye on certain topics. And then there, there's strife even amongst people who believe like 95% of the same things. And um, so there's just been some some thoughts that I've been mulling over lately um, in relation to this. I want to share those with you. And I'd love to, you know, carry the discussion further and um, see what we can do. Because I feel like, uh, you know, Jesus said that people will know we're Christians by our love, not by what we condemn, not by who we point the finger at, not by how well we judge others, not by how haughty or self-righteous we are. He says, well, we'll be known by our love. And that's what marks us as his. And there's just a great absence of that right now. Um, I was recently talking with some people and the, the story about the woman who was caught in adultery and brought before Jesus was brought up. And we were discussing the idea of um, you know, it was adultery was considered uh, a capital a capital crime in that day based on the laws of Moses. Um, why? How did Jesus, as a as a righteous representation of God, uh, allow her to get off the hook, so to speak? And so we were we were discussing this. But here's um, I kind of had a new revelation of that story in a different. I saw it in a different light than I had seen it before. And I, I wanted to share with you that thought today. Um, so for those of you who don't know the story, just real quick, I'll recap. Um, this is found in, uh, also in John, uh, in eight. Oh, no, wait, I may have the wrong verse, sorry. Oh, eight, uh, one to 11. But um, there are some people who bring a woman they say was caught in the very act of adultery. Mind you, it's just the woman they bring. They don't bring the man, but they throw her before Jesus and before this crowd. And, and they say, should we stone her or not? And it says in there that their motive for doing that was had nothing to do with honoring God or worship. It was, they were trying to trap Jesus. So they were just using this woman as a pawn to try to get Jesus to trip up in something he was going to say. Um, and Jesus writes down in the in the dirt, you know, he scribbles around with his finger. I, I always wondered what was it he was writing. And the scripture doesn't tell us what it was. Um, but he says, it says the crowd kept pestering him. They kept bothering him, like, you know, answer us, give us an answer. And so he says to them, let the person, the person who is without sin cast the first stone. And it says one by one, they all kind of dropped their rocks and left, starting with the oldest down to the youngest. And then uh, he looks up and nobody's left. And he turns, Jesus turns to the woman and says, are none of your accusers left here to condemn you? And she said, no. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go, go on your way and go in peace and, and don't lead a sinful life. And uh, that's just such a powerful story in so many ways. Um, for years, 
as I looked at that, I thought, oh, what a, what a clever thing that Jesus said that he, you know, he, they set out to trap him, but he trapped them by saying, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Cause I'm like, well, none of them could do it. Right. Everybody's got some sin in their life. And it wasn't until years and years and years later that I realized there actually was one among them that was without sin. And that was Jesus himself. He was the one by his own definition who should have picked up the rock the first rock and thrown it at her. And if he had thrown the first rock, then the rest would have followed suit. And um, he, although he fit the description of the person who was fit to judge another human, although he was perfect and had every right to judge her, he did not. He gave her mercy. And so what I realized recently about that, though, is how in this, I thought he was just kind of outsmarting these guys who were trying to trip him up. But if you read it closer, the message that he is giving to both parties in this is really quite fascinating. Um, I believe to the the Pharisees, the self-righteous people who were coming to him and you know pointing out another person's sin, he was making it clear to them of, yeah, she may deserve death for what she's done, but so do you. You don't get off scot-free. You have also committed sins. You have also done these things and or not the same things, but you have also um, been a sinner. You have fallen short of the glory of God. You too deserve what you're pointing the finger at her for. And then to her, his message was kind of, hey, you, you've messed up and you've done wrong, but I'm not going to condemn you because obviously they didn't know this at the time, but Jesus knew what he was going to do. And he knew that he was going to go to the cross and die for her sins. So he was telling her, you don't have to serve the time or experience the punishment that you deserve, because I'm going to take that on for you. And we don't have to live under that law anymore of, oh, if you mess up one little bit, you know, that's the end of you. Um, Jesus has come to set us free from that burden. And so I think just this twofold mes message to these people is brilliant. And I mean, of course, Jesus is a genius, but just every time I study it more, I uncover a little more of the depth of what he was saying to these people. And I think that that is an important message for us all to know today, both sides of that, because we have all been the self-righteous Pharisee type pointing our fingers and judging others. And we have all been the guilty person you know, in condemnation and shame, you know, exposed before the crowd and knowing that we've messed up. And Jesus loves us both. And he has an important message for us uh, wherever we are in that struggle today. And it's that we've all messed up. So whenever you're pointing the finger at whoever it is that you're angry with or uh, whatever side of the argument that you disagree with and, and you think they're idiots or fill in the blank, um, those you have sinned just as much as you are condemning those other people for sinning. Also, we are all in the same boat and we're all sinking without Jesus. He alone is our savior. He is our help. And one thing I realized a couple of years ago when I was doing a really in-depth study of Romans, and I hadn't really processed this before, but self-righteousness in God's sight is every bit as wicked as unrighteousness. And I think a lot of times Christians get caught up in the unrighteousness part and we're going to point the finger at that person and say, you know, that's bad. This policy is bad. That type of person is bad. They're sinners. This is wrong. Um, 
but also that self-righteousness of I, I can do it myself. I can keep the rules myself. If I if I do all these things on the do list, you know, if I and I don't do these things on the don't list, then then I'm going to be good to go like it's on me. And that is so far from wrong. Our righteousness doesn't it's not something that we can muster up ourselves. That is a free gift of God. He gives us his righteousness because we can't muster it up from within us. And when we look at that rightly, it is very, very, very difficult to point the finger at somebody else and say, hey, Jesus, stone that person because they're messing up when we realize that we deserve to be in that place just as much. And then flip that around when we're the person who's messed up and we know it, that Jesus says, hey, you don't need to condemn yourself. I'm, I'm going to protect these other people from condemning you, but don't condemn yourself either because I've already paid for that. I've already died on the cross for your sins. I've already taken care of it. I've paid your debt. Um, I, I don't want you graveling around in the dirt, feeling shameful, feeling condemned. You know, rise up, go, keep going and just stay away from that, that sin that you've fallen into. But don't let this stop you. And so I just feel like that's a very encouraging message uh, to me anyway. I hope it is to you on multiple levels. And I think if we can kind of absorb that um, mindset ourselves and then help spread that around to others around us, then um, I think that would be a great anecdote to the diversity, uh, sorry, not diversity, the division that we're struggling with um, in all of walks of life, you know, in, in publicly, in discussions amongst people, even, you know, amongst family members, there's division and divisiveness over things that um, at the end of the day, it's our love for one another, um, whether they agree with us or not, that is going to be what reveals the glory of God and his grace and his mercy and his power at work in our lives. It's not going to be that we judged correctly who was a sinner and who wasn't, because that's not our job. And it wasn't going to be that we kept all the rules because we can't. And it's not going to be that we stayed out of all the messes in life because we don't do that either. It's all about God and his mercy. And when we love other people in humility, then people are able to see that. When we spend more of our time thinking or speaking out about what we disagree with and what we dislike and what we hate, then God's love gets lost in there. That doesn't get communicated. And God is not lifted up publicly. People look at Christians and go, why would I want to be a part of that family? They rip apart their own. So um, I just feel like this is a really important message to just love one another in humility. And I'm not sure where we got this idea that in order to be friends, we have to agree completely because that's just not the case. I, you know, I can... I'll just take my my marriage, for example. I love my husband. We have a great relationship. Um, we're very blessed. We don't agree 100% on everything. And take that even further, I don't necessarily agree 100% with myself. I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, but I have had arguments with myself. Don't say that. Don't, you know, and then I say it. It's like, ah, I told you you shouldn't have said that. And So if I can't even agree with myself, uh, we just need to let go of the fact that I have to agree 100% with another human being or I can't be friends with them because that's just silly. Let's just say we can disagree on things and we can still love one another. We can still be friends. We can still be family. We can still have fun together. Um, you know, this person may like chocolate ice cream and this person may like vanilla ice cream, but we can all go to the ice cream parlor together and hang out and have fun. Well, not, not right now because of COVID, but we can have fun at home with our ice cream 
in our own places. <laughs> um, so that's just the message that was on my heart today um, that I wanted to share about um, how we can come together and overcome uh, divisiveness. We obviously can't fix all the problems and we can't make all the people agree and we can't snap our fingers and have all the bad stuff go away and have everyone get along and be nice. But, um, but we can just reach out in love to the people who are around us, whether they agree with us or not, and we can love on them. And by doing that, we show the world who Jesus is because that's how he loves us. And so I hope that that uh, message is encouraging to you today. And I would just challenge you to just right now, or as soon as this ends, just think of somebody uh, that you know personally that you maybe disagree with, maybe somebody that you have been angry with because you can't understand how they hold that viewpoint and just think, how can I reach out to them in love? And just brainstorm that with Jesus of what's a, what's a positive outward action that I can take to show that the God I serve and love is full of mercy and full of grace for people. Um, God is not full of hatred for us. God is for us. He's not against us. And, um, I just want to leave you with one quick illustration. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were doing church service in our living room, you know, because of COVID, we're doing it online, which our, we have such a big family. We've kind of, we're our own congregation. So, you know, we, we're standing up and we're worshiping in our living room. And two of my younger children were on either side of me. And, you know, each one was kind of jockeying for, you know, the closest snuggles with mom. And they were kind of, um, pushing each other a little bit and kind of jostling each other out of the way and trying to have the monopoly on mom and all these different things. And it was just kind of a, an odd struggle. And I just, I kind of took their hands away from fighting with each other around my waist. And I just stretched my arms out wide and I encircled both of them and I pulled them into me and I just hugged them. And I'm like, I love you both. And I, I just felt in that moment, like God was saying to me, my arms are big enough to hold all of you. It, it doesn't matter that we don't see eye to eye. God's arms are big enough to reach around all of us. And he wants to give us a big old giant hug. And I just think, you know, it, it hurts me to see my children be hurt. But what hurts me the most is to see my children be hurt by one of my other children. And, you know, siblings are siblings and they just don't always necessarily get along and don't always uh, necessarily see eye to eye. But that's that's like a double sadness for me. And I just can't help but think that our Heavenly Father feels the same way about us, that he would much rather see us embrace one another in love, to all be a part of the same big spiritual group hug, than to have us on either side of him fighting over which one of us has better access to God or which one of us has the truth and who's lying and who's whatever. So um, I really hope that that message encourages you today. And if it does, I would ask you to share it with somebody else, um, either verbally or, or share the, the actual podcast and um, help me spread the word out there so that we can put some water on this fire and put some love and some grace and some mercy where there's hatred and division. So I thank you for listening today. That's it for today's broadcast. And um, if you haven't done so already, I would really love it if you would subscribe. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could leave us a review, that would really help get the, the message out to others who need to hear this, this message that we're sharing of hope and of healing in Jesus. And we thank you. And I will look forward to chatting with you again next week. Bye.
You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with host Elizabeth Myers. If you like the show and want to know more, check out elizabethmyers.me forward slash RLH podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, just fill out the form on that webpage so we can connect. Your honest review on iTunes is a tremendous help to sharing this message of hope with more hurting souls. Don't forget to join us next week when we talk about more hacks for resilient life. Until next time, stand strong, hold on to hope, and love others like Jesus does.